Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more. Props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the doping scandal that's going on right now at the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games uh, regarding athlete Kamila Veyeva, who is a 15-year-old Russian skater who has been winning all of the events this season um, and just made history at the team event to become the first woman to land a quad. Um, This is a very unfortunate situation that we're hearing at the Olympic Games right now, and I just want to start off by saying... um, you know, this is a very, very serious offense to be caught using a banned substance. And uh, I want to highlight that this skater is 15 years old. She is a minor, and this is in no way an attack on her herself or her morality or whether or not she had any knowledge in the banned substance being in her system. Uh, but regardless, you know, rules are rules for everybody. And I think it's really important to discuss this whole thing. So we're going to get right into it right now. Um, Let's go ahead and start. So first and foremost, I respect all the athletes around the world. You know, we're all working for the biggest dream in sports. In every country, there are many young talents, but some of these countries are choosing a dishonest way to achieve their dreams. Um, When I say countries. I also don't want to attack Russia as a whole as their country, even though they have had doping issues in the past. Um, But right now, I think just focusing on the skaters team, her coaching team is the best thing because uh, the coaching team is not representative of the entire country, nor is it representative of every single skater that comes out of Russia. So I just wanted to make that clear from the get go. I also want to say that this whole situation is not a conspiracy. It's not a political game. Uh, this is reality. So Camilla Valieva, 15-year-old figure skater, was found on trimetazidine, or in short, they call it TMZ, which is a heart medication for people with angina or chronic heart conditions uh, relating heart attacks and heart failure, etc. This medication is meant for people 65 and older. Uh, There really isn't a good reason why a 15-year-old should be on this drug. Trimetazidine has been on the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA's list of prohibited substances since 2014. So there actually is a video online uh, with this coach, Iteri, 
who was giving an interview to Posner uh, a few years ago, and she admitted that their coaching team used meldonium in their athletes before, and after it was banned, they were looking for an alternative to use. Meldonium is also a heart medication used for angina, heart attack, heart failure, etc. Meldonium was banned under WADA and classified as a S4 substance addressing hormone and metabolic factors. It was banned after 17% of Russian athletes were found to be on meldonium and have it in their systems. Uh, And so what meldonium did was it increased blood flow to parts of the body, helped to adjust the body's use of energy, and it can boost stamina and endurance. Some very big names were using meldonium, uh, one including Maria Sharapova, the Russian tennis player. She was found on meldonium after the band went into effect, and she revealed that she had been taking that medication for over 10 years, so basically her whole professional career. She was banned from tennis for 15 months as punishment for continuing usage of this banned drug. Elizaveta Taktimisheva has also admitted to using meldonium in the past prior to its banning, as well as Evgeny Plushenko, uh, another Russian skater, Ekaterina Bokbrova, and other skaters who talked about the usage of meldonium as a pretty typical medication that they would all use, but they didn't refer to it as medication, but more so as a vitamin. Uh, They compared it to taking vitamin C supplements. Now, the pharma industry is very well developed, so of course new medication can be produced that is not yet considered doping or on the banned list. But it is important to consider that TMZ has in fact been banned since 2014. After all, when meldonium was banned and considered doping, we know how strong the medication was if it had to be banned. Uh, So all of these athletes who were using it were basically doping. Uh, for a long time in their careers, and this puts them at a very different level compared with clean athletes. So I want to talk about the difference in systems right now because I think this is more of a systemic problem than it is an individual athlete problem. Uh, And so that's kind of where the morals in terms of the athletes come into effect. And again, when you're raised in a different system where you don't necessarily get the same choices or are under the same knowledge, Um, and you're working with trusted adults and professionals and staff that are supposed to have your best interest in mind, uh, the line gets very blurred over who knew, who knows what's going on. But to specify, in Russia, essentially a child gets dropped off by their parents from a very young age to a training club facility that takes care of their whole athletic scheduling. They are heavily disciplined from the beginning of their careers, put in numerous skating classes, off-ice classes, ballet dance trainings, flexibility classes, nutrition courses, and work with staff and professionals in their respective fields throughout each day. Seeing kids from the young age of eight years old jumping triple jumps is not realistic for their natural, physical, biological abilities. It would be extremely rare to find a child prodigy anywhere in the world at that age able to complete a triple lutz. The government is heavily involved with the financials of training camps as well as opposed to the U.S. where it is entirely individual and on the parents of a young athlete. In the U.S., in my experience, parents bring their kids to the skating rink. We don't have skating camps or schools. We don't have doctors and numerous professionals working with us all provided at the same ice rink right away. We simply have private lessons with the coach that we find. 
we don't have medical staff or personnel working with us at such a young age. Everything is private and individualized in the U.S., and it all depends on the parents with how much they can pay, how many lessons they can take, and whether or not they personally seek out more coaches or trainings for their child. In our systems, we still have talents. We have a lot of very, very good U.S. skaters, and they end up showing the same standard results with all the best athletes in the world. In my career, I trained six days a week, twice a day from the age of five. I had gymnastic classes at a gymnastics club facility three times a week for three hours a day. We know that gymnastics gives the strongest strength and conditioning training. Twice a week, I took ballet classes at a ballet dance studio. I'm very fortunate that my mom was an educated coach, a coach who grew up and trained in Russia, who knew what was possible for kids to do at a certain age. She provided me with the trainings and classes I needed to be competitive with the Russian system she grew up with. By age seven and eight, I learned a single axle, a double cow, and a double toe loop. Yes, that was very good for a girl of my age compared with other U.S. skaters I was competing with at the time, who were always a few years older than I with the same elements. But my result was the same result compared with all of the talented kids in the world. To see kids who are doing these crazy elements jumping triples at that age drives suspicion in me, knowing the muscle capability of a young child and how many years it takes to correctly develop the quickness and the strength to do an element of that level. Even though I was 8 13 years ago, I see talented kids at my ice rink around the age of 7 or 8 now who do the same thing I did, doubles. And that's the standard for every athlete in the world at that age, plus or minus an element. Giving you another analogy just to make it kind of make sense. So these really young kids are doing triple lutzes. This is like asking a four-month-old baby who at that age, the standard is that they can only really learn to turn from their back to their belly at that age. That's like asking them to get up and start running and say that they're super talented, four months old. It's just not real. By the junior level, all of these child prodigies are doing quads. To me, this means that their whole career up to this point has to already have them on some type of medication or doping that helps them to achieve such unique results that have never been done before, ever. Since the 80s, when Tiffany Chin was the first 15-year-old to do a triple axel, first woman in the world to do it, and then Midori Ito at the Olympics was the first woman to land a triple axel at the Olympics, in those 50 years, we can count on one hand how many women have been able to accomplish such an element. Now, for the last four years, to suddenly bring such a high amount of Russian female athletes jumping not only triple axles, but quads, even at the junior level, is highly suspicious and just not realistic. People think, why does a little kid need doping at an early age? Why not use it when they're older? Well, it's because they need to learn all of those elements before puberty. After the age of 15, it's very, very unlikely to learn that type of jump. And we have the proof of that in the last 50 years with how unique and small the number of grown women who can accomplish such a jump. How many athletes have tried to achieve the technical push in this era of women's skating 
who have injured themselves in the process of learning triple axles and quads, who have lost their careers or major moments due to injuries sustained as clean athletes. Sasha Cohen, who practiced quad salcos, suffered an injury. Brady Tunnell, learning triple axles and quads, was injured and completely out of this important season. Tang Kui, a talented young athlete, lost to injury. Daria Usacheva, majorly injured at her second Grand Prix this season, who was also learning triple axles and quads. Eliona Korstanaya, who broke her hand while attempting triple axles. Sasha Chuseva, who was injured earlier this season, who has four or five quads in her program. Rika Kihira, a potential medal favorite for this Olympics, out with injury this season, who also worked on triple axles. Adyan Pitkiv, a talented Russian male skater who also retired very early with a massive back injury. These elements are against young abilities. Not only is it extremely difficult to learn the jump on its own, but then to apply it in a four-minute program is extremely difficult and not realistic. It can be the first element, but after that much energy has been expended, I just don't believe it's possible for the female body in our own human nature to be able to repeat it in the same program. At age 16, 17, when I had puberty, I didn't lose my technique, but I completely felt that my stamina was working against me because my body was growing and my organs weren't at full development yet to be able to support me at my athletic peak. In the early stage of the season in 2015 and 2016, I was performing my free skates with all single jumps as I was not physically ready or able to skate at full capacity, even with the heavy conditioning and strength trainings I was consistently practicing. You cannot skip or ignore the natural process of the growing human body, no matter how hard you train. It's not a matter of working hard enough or training a certain amount of hours or extreme discipline. This is human biological nature that no one can bend the rules for. I know how hard it is, and these were the most difficult years for me in my career and in the big arenas, where I was still able to reach the highest level at the end of these seasons, which I'm very proud of. It's very surprising to me that these girls are in the same puberty time frame now, and they are still capable of keeping these elements with clean programs, when any other young athletes who have accomplished this jump prior puberty in the past have acknowledged their incapability to keep the jump through puberty. Many people are asking questions about the scandal with Camilla, who is a very talented girl, and people are unsure about how doping can work in figure skating. What is doping? Most people think of strength steroids, which we obviously do not see evidence of physically in figure skating. For our sport, the type of doping in question is doping that can help you when you're tired, when you should naturally be exhausted. But with the help of specific drugs, you can have more endurance, more oxygen, and more blood flow. This gives athletes the ability to do more repetitions, work for more hours, and gives them the time and ability to learn more at a quicker pace than a natural clean athlete. What is tiredness? It's the natural reaction of the human body to save itself, to avoid injury. If you're tired, it shows that you are coming up to a place where you should stop soon, where you should rest to avoid unnecessary harm to your body. It will be completely different if a natural body can do 10 safe repetitions or 100. Commentators in Russian television have stated that Kamila Vilyeva, in a 30-minute practice, has been able to accomplish 
10 quads, and several program run-throughs in one session for that time frame. This is extremely excessive to the normal human body, the normal female human body. Yes, Camilla is a very talented girl. She's a very artistic skater with great qualities outside of just the jumps. But here's what doping does. After 30 seconds in our program, natural clean athletes get tired, their legs and arms become heavy, and some athletes will lose the ability to be softer and to be gentle as they were from the very first seconds of their program, to be fast and strong, etc. That's why people shouldn't be asking what doping does in these abilities. Yes, it helps her with the technical, it helps her with the stamina, and it helps her with the artistic choreography to be able to sustain the same energy for longer than the natural athlete. Because these young girls are given, most likely without their knowledge, drugs that help them with their tiredness, they overdo the physical work on their bodies because they cannot recognize normal exhaustion. By the teenage years, many of Russian athletes are seriously injured and retired already. We are witnesses of countless injuries of these talented athletes who retire before they reach the age of 18, 19, 20. Some coaches, including her choreographer, have bragged to the media in the past about how little their students eat. One bragged about the current world champion, Anna Sherbakova, eating only two pieces of shrimp for dinner. It's not realistic to even do a full program run through with single jumps with that little fuel. A car won't run without gas. Athletes cannot push themselves to their highest limits with no fuel. This also draws suspicion over their stamina, their endurance, and their strength with that little food as their sustenance. I was very tiny. I was very thin as a teenage skater. I never took any medication, any vitamins, any supplements. I only ate healthy food and sometimes unhealthy food. At the Olympic Games before my free skate, I ate McDonald's. <laughs> in the fall of 2015 at the Grand Prix in Moscow, the dining hall was closed before my short program at the hotel. I went to the rink and stopped at the food court where I ate a huge meal consisting of meat and potatoes for energy to skate my difficult short program. All the judges and coaches witnessed that because they were all in the same area. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guaranteed. Drawing from my experiences. When I was 14 years old, I became junior champion of the U.S., and the next season, I was sent to the Junior Grand Prix circuit, where I first experienced USADA and WADA, the anti-doping agencies, and was officially part of the system when it came to drug testing. In the system, you have to read the rules, and as a minor, you have to sign the contract to compete clean, as well as have your guardian sign the contract. We are all registered athletes in the doping test system and take responsibility for following the rules and adhering to the clauses in our contracts. We also give our everyday schedules to the doping agencies, from the early morning when you typically wake up, so say 6 a.m., to the late night that you'd be going to sleep, say 9 p.m. In Mexico City, where I won my first Junior Grand Prix, I was drug tested right after the event finished, as the top three are always drug tested as well as two randoms in the event. At that competition, I learned the process of testing and could take steps next time to speed the process. To specify, urine tests are the standard, and you need a certain amount of urine to fill the bottles. There's two of them. 
test A, and test B. That competition, I took two hours because I took a test right after the event, but I did not fill the amount needed. So I had to wait and chug water until I could try again and actually fill the amount. This was a learning process for me, and when I went to future competitions where I was drug tested again, I knew to drink plenty of water right after skating and not use the restroom until they announced who was being drug tested. That way, if I was called, which I was the random selection at almost every competition I went to, I could complete the testing process in 15 minutes because I was prepared and ready. At the Olympic Games in 2014 in Sochi, I placed ninth, and people can ask, why would ninth place need to be tested? Clearly, I was the random selection. But we also know that placement at competitions can be political. It's not always representative of what athletes are actually doing on the ice. And both of my programs were the most difficult programs in the world at that time for lady skating. Professional people know that, and that's why I was tested. And that is why at every international competition I went to, regardless of my placement, I was always selected as the random. At the Olympics, it took me less than an hour to get through the testing process. It was very surprising for me at that time to hear that some girls could not complete the urine drug test for more than eight hours. Doping control officers, from the moment that they come to you for testing, do not disturb you, but they must be in eye distance of you at all times and follow you everywhere until you complete your test. To blame them, to say that they disturb your practices or your schedule is just not true. This is equal for all athletes who are asked to perform a drug test. By saying so, everyone is asking why Camilla failed her test on December 25th, as if it was a preordained move against her before the Olympics even started. Actually, there's a time frame in the Olympic season before and after the Games where the athletes who are predicted or considered to compete can be drug tested at any time, which is why we submit our schedules at the start of the season. I myself, at age 15, was tested on the 100-day mark before the Olympics and was then tested extremely frequently leading up to the Games. Camilla skated great at the Olympic Games in the team event, who did extremely difficult elements with great performances, and she got first place in the team event. First place is a huge deal. All professionals know that her content is unheard of, very new to the skating scene. And she has shown to be such a uniquely strong athlete that it is very clear that she would be a prime candidate for frequent testing. Marion Jones in track and field in 2000 ran unbelievably fast and passed everyone by half the distance. Professionals can recognize that that's not realistic for a natural athlete to be that much further ahead than everyone. She was tested and found to be on strong doping, stripped of her medals, and punished severely. The same thing is going on with the Russian skaters right now, who are passing the entire world's athletes by a huge technical difference. This is why she has been tested numerous times, because it's the doping agency's job to be sure she is 100% clean. The fact that she failed a drug test before the Olympics is just that. She failed a drug test. In the rules and under contract, these dates are within the time frame and there's nothing to complain about or fight because it's all in the same contract every athlete signs. We know the pharmaceutical industry has been developed very well and these similar medications compete against each other in the market. It's very difficult to catch who's on and who isn't and that's why the doping agencies have such a wide time frame for testing the athletes. 
Another experience I've been through in my career that I also think is important to speak of now. At the Junior Grand Prix Final in 2013 in Fukuoka, Japan, I witnessed alongside my mom that three of my Russian competitors took small bottles out in the locker room and dropped some type of liquid in their mouths before the practice. They were chatting and laughing about it. One of them said, my doctor does not allow me to swallow this. I have to swish and spit it out. The other girls claimed that their doctors allowed them to swallow whatever the liquid was. It was surprising for my mom and I to see that, but all of the girls were doing the same elements as me, so we didn't really raise any alarm to that occurrence, uh, and we didn't think that it could be doping. But on the ice in that practice, we started to suspect something was strange because all of these girls were doing triple-triple combinations in the first minute of being on the ice. These are 13-year-old girls. The practice was 30 to 40 minutes, and they were doing so much in their practices. I myself, 15 at the time, doing two extremely difficult triple-triple combinations in my programs, was baffled to see them throwing triple-ups-triple-toes in one minute of stepping onto the ice. It took me closer to 15 minutes to fully warm up my body and edges and feel comfortable oxygen-wise to productively start my jump combinations in that manner and not overwork or exhaust myself too early in the practice. By seeing that, I was intimidated by my competitors because even in the off-ice warm-ups, we were all doing the same exercises. My mom had given me the same conditioning exercises uh, that they were doing. But seeing them be so intensive right from the first minute of practice made us suspicious of how they were able to do that. Even in a six-minute warm-up, it usually takes a few minutes to warm up to triple-triples. Now, before the girls' names are called to skate, these Russian phenoms are attempting quads. An ordinary athlete would be conserving energy before their name is called, and to be able to perform without feeling tired before you even start your program. Since nine years ago at this Junior Grand Prix final, I've been suspicious over the abilities of these Russian women. Now let's talk for a second about their technique. The Russian phenoms who have been leading the charge in quads and triple axles all have pre-rotation. Why are we applauding cheating technique, cheating the quality of jumps with incorrect edges on jump takeoffs, and with huge points starting from the junior level? I can see many great coaches in the U.S. trying to switch from classic technique to this pre-rotational technique, but they still don't get the same results, and we know why. We have to keep our standards and values in the integrity of proper technique, and we need to bring back the quality of choreography and presentation in programs. To do a triple-triple is already very difficult, but is seen to be widely possible across all of the strongest athletes in the world. We don't need a cheated quad revolution that compromises clean sport and clean competition. A revolution that has left too many clean athletes injured and out of their Olympics. It is very disappointing that this coaching team compromised Russian sport because in Russia, they have clean, talented athletes. And we can see that in the Olympics, where many Russian athletes change their citizenship and represent smaller European countries, all of these girls are talents and they do all of the elements that have been the standard difficulty for all the athletes in the world, not just one country. It's upsetting that in 2018, when Alina Zagitova won, where all the extremely difficult jumps were in the second half of her program, they didn't follow the rules of program composition, where all the elements are supposed to be equally spreaded throughout the program. I was shocked that there wasn't any punishment, but rather applaud for this backloading, unbalanced program.
We can see the same thing in this Olympics where the same coaching team is bringing their athletes in with programs that have a serious lack in choreography and skating skills and instead only have stroking patterns into their quads. This has not been punished by the judging system or judged honestly all season and instead applauded once again for an imbalance of an important component of what makes programs programs. The ISU needs to change the rules for women's skating if they truly want a sport with integrity, and if those rules are upheld and followed, the matter of age won't be as big of a concern. But with the way they are handling this case and have been supporting this revolution, age is indeed a factor that needs to be reconsidered. Benoit said this best, but if you cannot hold a minor accountable while they are competing in an adult sport, then minors should no longer be able to compete. I do not think Camilla should be able to participate in this Olympic Games. Even if she was a victim of this coaching team and the situation, she's a part of this. Regardless of blame, she is the athlete who has won every competition and every title. She doesn't need to be the victim of a moral attack, but unfortunately she will always be a victim of accountability in the form of suspension. No one can take away the banned drug in her system. This is irreversible, and unfortunately, in the crossfire, she will have to suffer the consequences as well, and she should understand that. We are all athletes who train hard every day. We all have the big dream of being an Olympic champion. I had that too. Let's give the clean girls the opportunity to compete and have their moment in an honest way, in a just field. I'm very happy that many athletes from multiple countries have given their voices to the situation and are in agreement that this decision was unfair. I want to repeat that this isn't a political conspiracy against Russia. This is about the obvious foul play by a coaching team who is representing Russia. I'm supporting many talented skaters and coaches in Russia who have also been victims of the monopoly that this coaching team has held, who have also had the doors of opportunity swung shut by this monopoly. I feel for all the talented athletes in the world who have been victims of this system, where these phenoms have been winning everything over clean athletes who couldn't reach their dreams. I stand for clean sport, for health over medals, and for the integrity of clean competition. I'm really excited to watch the women's event at this Olympic Games, regardless of the scandal. Uh, so many of these athletes have worked their entire lives for this moment, and I want to support them and uh, let this dark cloud not rain on them in their special days. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.